was a, a trip and an odyssey that many people would go on, especially daughters and mothers. And they would go on an odyssey to New York City, and they would go to Chinatown looking and searching for fake purses, handbags, and wallets, right? I don't know if any of your moms have done such a thing or any ladies, right? Uh, but there was just this search to just go out there and find something that was fake. I don't know why you're searching for something, but that's another story, right? But they would go out there searching for variants, searching for things that are fake, right? Maybe you're here and you're a proud owner of a Folex, right? And it looks right. It feels a little bit lighter than usual, but it costs so much less. And you think, ah, it, it's the same thing, right? Uh, it reminds me, when you first get to know someone, your version of meeting them and their version of meeting you, it's always a little bit different. And a couple weeks ago, I was talking with with Joey, Pastor Joey, and um, I used to really be into shoes and sneakers, no fake ones, real ones, expensive ones, all these things. And when Joey started coming to church, he was wearing some shoes and he said, man, I thought you were super excited. You're asking me all these questions about my shoes, about my Nike SBs. And what he didn't realize is I was asking these questions because I knew they were fake. I was saying... Joey, where did you buy those? Where did you get those from? And probably wasn't right me doing that to someone I just met, myself at church, but, and I've grown, he's grown, we're friends now, right? We've gotten past it, right? Uh, but there's a big thing within our culture, right? We're just with fake things, and some of us were into it, right? I think the Feezys are one of the big ones, right? You got a $100 pair of Yeezys, and you're all good with it, and again, just pray about it. Police bust uh, things in the, at the port of Miami when there's tons of fake and variant things. So, again, that's just between you and the Lord. But here in 1 John 2, what he's warning us about is that there are many, many false and fake Jesuses. There's tons of them out there. And it's, again, it's, maybe it's not a big deal, I guess, between you and the Lord. But to just wear shoes or have a purse or have a wallet or have a watch, again, the consequences of it are little. But the consequences of having a fake Jesus, it's eternal damnation. See, that's the problem for us. There's only one way into heaven. There's only one way which man can be saved. And that's through Jesus Christ and the Jesus Christ of the Bible. The problem is, for many of us, we can create our own form of Jesus. Our Jesus is totally fine with our sins and our mistakes, right? He really hates other people's sins and mistakes. But my sins, my mistakes, my vices, he's totally cool with, right? My 2021 Jesus, he's super up-to-date and with the times, he's different than 33 AD Jesus. And we can create our own versions of Jesus, but there's only one way. There's only, he is the way, the truth, the life. And there's a great warning to us that we can get to those pearly gates. And the warning Christ gives us is that he may tell us, depart from me, I never knew you. Even though we did work, work in his name. You could have done miracles in his name. You could have attended Calvary Chapel of Miami in his name. But if you don't know the one true Jesus, there's no heaven for you. And there's four main uh, things that just, again, chewing through this portion of scripture. Number one is that we should be ready. Be ready. Jesus is coming back at any moment in time. We're going to see here John, he calls it the last hour. And if that was the last hour 2,000 years ago, we're living in the last minutes, right? We're living in the last seconds. Uh, John, he's going to put it together that he himself, he's getting ready, says, let us, may we be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Paul has the same idea. John has the same idea. Peter has the same idea, ready and waiting for Jesus to return at any moment. 
The second thing we should do is to be aware. Be aware there are many fake Jesuses out there. And the main goal for these fake Jesuses is to take your soul to hell. That's the goal for these fake Jesuses because the one behind all these fake Jesuses is Satan himself. Right? Satan, he's not great at creating things. He's not great at making things. But he's an incredible counterfeit. An incredible counterfeit. Right? With Eve there in the garden, he makes a counterfeit. Right? Oh, if you eat this, you'll be like God himself, right? He makes a counterfeit for the young people here, right? When it comes to bad relationships or sex outside of marriage, he makes a counterfeit. When it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy, peace, happiness, the fruit of the Spirit, or being filled with alcohol or drugs, right? He makes a counterfeit. We should be aware. Number three is to be listening, Be listening. There's a truth and there's a reminder to us that if we are truly saved here, each of us have the true and real Jesus residing within our hearts, within our souls. We need to trust the still small voice that speaks in line with his word. And that still small voice, it's like a meter telling us if something is phony or if something is real. If something is just a young believer learning and growing through their theology, or if it's a false prophet and false teacher looking for an audience to bring around them. The last thing is to be present. Be present. The only way we can have confidence when Jesus returns is to be abiding with him. It's to be present with Jesus Christ. It's to make our home, make our place of comfort, make our refuge in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not in our theology. It's not in our knowledge. It's not in our church attendance. It's in abiding, spending time with, making our home with Jesus Christ. So be ready, be aware, be listening, and be present. Verse 18, John, he starts off this portion of the letter, and he says, Little children... Here he's not speaking to the young believers like we mentioned uh, last week when we were together. But here he's speaking as a term of love for the church body at large. He says, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. Again, family, the return of Jesus Christ, it could be at any moment. And the Antichrist, the singular, one day he will be coming. And sometimes believers, Christians, they get obsessed with that, right? Who's the Antichrist? If we had a a church service and we named it, who's the Antichrist? I'm sure it would be packed here, right? But if you have a church service, hey, let's learn about Jesus Christ. (laughs) What about that, right? Who's the Antichrist? is Is it the Pope, right? Is it the Prime Minister of Israel, right? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Obama, right? We, we can get obsessed with who's the Antichrist. And as believers, our obsession, right, our focus, our main objective should be to know Jesus more and more. Not to spend time in our basement, right? Hopefully you don't have, maybe you have a basement in Miami, right? Trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, right? And the right lineage and where they're from. That's, that's not what we should be focused on. But John, at this point, he already says, many Antichrists have come now and we know it is the last hour. That last hour... It's basically the time period of the church. The last hour started the moment Jesus Christ came and lived on earth, and it will end the moment we're raptured and taken to heaven. This is the last hour of humanity. This is the last chapter in the book of creation and of human beings. 
we are in it. We're in the last minutes, the last seconds perhaps. That word antichrist, sometimes we get fixated on something being against Jesus. So we think it's the exact opposite of Jesus. And we're going to be able to tell a mile away, oh, that's not Jesus whatsoever. But another way we should look at it is the instead of Jesus. It's not just the anti-Jesus, but it's instead of Jesus. Again, a fake, a variant, something to get you to think, oh, this is the same thing. I could just take this instead of Jesus Christ. It's an adversary of the Messiah. Someone acting in the place of Christ. And we have to be careful because within our own culture, many people have created their own forms of Jesus. It's like you go to Winn-Dixie and instead of buying the Pepsi product, right, Dr. Pepper, you come home with Dr. Thunder, right? And that's the anti-Dr. Pepper. It's an, it's an adversary. It's not the real deal. It's not the real McCoy. It's a lot cheaper. It's the instead of Dr. Pepper, right? And that's what we need to be weary of, that there's other people coming with similar flavors, Similar tastes, similar promises, but they're not the one true Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew 24, and we'll see that even Jesus himself was warning the body of believers about these antichrists while he was still on earth. Matthew 24, in this chapter, he's warning us of the end of days. He's warning us of his second coming and what it's going to look like. So jumping through a few verses here, Matthew 24, verse 5, and he warns us, he says, Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Again, that's a warning to us. These people, they're going to have followings. They're going to have churches. They're going to have institutions. They're going to have many people deceived, thinking this is real and legit. In verse 11 through 13, there in chapter 24, he says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Again, we need to make sure that we're enduring, that our love for God is enduring, our love for one another is enduring. That instead of looking more and more like lawlessness, our lives are more and more in order for God. And then in verse 24 and 25, he continues in this warning. He says, there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Again, Jesus is warning us. This Antichrist, we have the singular Antichrist in the tribulation, but then there's going to be many Antichrists, many false religions, false teachers, but then there's going to be false prophets as well. Jesus gives us the warning 2,000 years ago, and it's so important for us to know the one true Jesus Christ. Because we're going to see in a moment, if you don't have Jesus right, nothing in your life is going to be right. If you don't have Jesus right, you're not going to have God right. You could be trying to please God, trying to do this for God. But if you don't have Jesus correct in your life, nothing else matters. Who's the real Jesus, right? He was born of a virgin. It's Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity. He was fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life. He died taking our sin upon him, and then he resurrected Defeating death, defeating sin, and giving us the power to do the same if we pick up our cross 
and follow him. That is the one true Jesus. But if you speak to other religions, you speak to other people, they believe in Jesus as well. Muslims, Jesus is in the Quran, and they believe Jesus was a great prophet. He was a wise teacher, but he wasn't the son of God. Hindus, they believe Jesus, that he's a great symbol of ethics, that he was divine even, but he was not the son of God. Buddhists, they believe that Jesus was an enlightened man and an incredible teacher. Mormons believe that Jesus was the firstborn of God. That God and Mary, they had a baby, and Jesus was the first one. And then they had another baby and Satan. So Satan and Jesus, they're brothers, right? That's what they believe. This is not the truth. You guys know this. Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that Jesus was first created by Jehovah as the archangel Michael. And then later on, he sent Michael to come onto earth to do different things. That Jesus was a lesser form of God. That he only walked on earth as a human, but not as God in human flesh. That he resurrected, but he only resurrected spiritually from his death. These are all false Jesuses. And even today, there's false gospels, false Jesuses. We'll look at that later on. That Jesus wants you to have health, wealth, and anything you want, right? It's false. It's fake. That Jesus wants you to live your best life. He's there to be your self-help guru. This is all, it's fake. It's not true. We need to make sure we believe in the one true God. We need to also be weary that we're not just saying, oh, my friend, my loved one, they love God. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out in the end. They're trying their hardest. No, family. There's only one way in which man can be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. In verse 19, there's a, a warning to us, a little bit of a tongue twister, a little bit of a confusing verse, but it'll make sense. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. It's pretty crazy because many of these false prophets and false teachers, they even start off in Bible-believing churches. But sooner or later, they head on out and they start their own thing. Even within our own bodies, there's different things that come into our body, but they don't belong. And what does our body do? It expels them, right? If you've ever had uh, food poisoning, your body does everything it can to get that out of there, right? And that's what a healthy body does. St. Augustine, he says they are like poisons in the body of Christ. Poisons inside of the church. When they are vomited out, then the body is relieved. The body of Christ is still now under treatment and has not yet attained the perfect soundness which it shall have only at the resurrection. Again, we need to be careful. There's a great warning here to us that all the apostles have, even Jesus has. He says that the wheat and the tares, they're going to grow up together. They're going to look the same. They're going to look similar. But later on at the end of days, right, he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to separate it. Right? He even makes mention that there's sheep and there's goats, but there's going to be a separation. I don't know how great your lawn is. My lawn isn't too great, but my lawn looks amazing during the summer when the guys come and they mow it, right? It looks beautiful. It looks like a green carpet. But what happens when it starts growing? All the weeds start popping out, right? And all the blades of grass look different. You see the dandelions. You see this flower. You see those little pinchy bomb-like things, right, that stick to your socks. You see all the different stuff that, that pops out of there. 
And hey, that's grass, that's not grass, don't step on that, it's going to get stuck in your foot, right? And you see the difference. And Jesus says he's going to do the same thing. The warning to us is just because you come to church does not mean you're saved. Just because you've been coming to Calvary Chapel for years or decades does not mean that you're saved. That's the great warning to us. Just because we come, just because we attend does not mean that we're saved. Family, have we created a false Jesus, a false gospel? I think sometimes as parents, we lie to ourselves, right? My kids, they, they serve in church. They have to be saved, right? There's, there's some verse that says that, right? We have to be so careful with that. I, I came to church once. I came. I prayed a prayer once. I have to be saved. That's nowhere within the Bible. We have to be careful, right? There were how many disciples at first? You guys are scholars of the Bible. How many disciples were there, right? Twelve disciples. Were they all good? Were they all right? There was one among them that went out from them. And he revealed he was not one of them, right? Even within the 12 disciples. And even the night, again, we read it, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we're like, man, these guys are dumb. But even the night when Jesus is going to be betrayed, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Not one of them thought it was Judas. Judas, Judas did miracles in Jesus' name. G Judas, he helped feed the 5,000. Judas was among Jesus Christ for three years, and yet he wasn't saved. He wasn't right with God. Again, there's a warning to us. Do I truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Does Jesus truly possess me, or am I here just to put a check mark on my religion credit card, on my religion um, report card, so that I can come to Christ and say, hey, I deserve to get into heaven? We have to be so careful. And there's different people that come into the body of Christ, and they get sent out for different reasons. You could just write down 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. You could read it when you go home. And Paul says here, there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. That word factions is also the word heresies. So Paul's saying that there has to be heresies among you so that those who are approved may come to the surface and be evident among you. Again, everybody has to deal with different sicknesses and viruses. But when a body's healthy, it's able to send those things out. And that's going to happen within our own church family. There's going to be different people, different ideas, different things that are going to come in here and test us. And it's going to reveal who we really are. Who are you when those tests come up within church, right? When someone comes and says, hey, uh, I, got, I got this new thing in the Bible. Did you ever realize this? You want to come and meet with me one-on-one -on -one at, at, at my house and we can talk about this, just you and me? Oh, man, the people at Calvary Chapel Miami, they're, they're not preaching it right. If you would only come and talk with me, let me reveal to you the truth of God's word, right? How do we act? How do we react? Do we run and tell someone else, man, so-and-so, I think they're a little bit off. I think God told me to tell you to deal with it, right? That's what I think. God didn't bring it to my attention to deal with it. No, God told me to tell you to deal with it, right? How do we react? Do we aid and abet them, right? Do we begin asking other people to come too because we're trying to heap up our own little group, our own little party, our own little posse? Do we act like nothing is happening, right? Oh, that's, they're crazy. They're whack, but I'll let the pastors handle that later on, right? Maybe we begin to chase after these new doctrines and ideas. Our itching ears are saying, man, maybe they're right. Maybe these guys are off. They've loved me for like 30 years at this church, but maybe they're right. They're off. They don't like me. They don't have my best interests in mind, right? 
Or are we willing to call them out and say, hey, that's not biblical. You shouldn't be sharing that with, with young believers. You should go and talk to the pastors if that's what you desire. Again, when these situations arise, our true character and the true roles which we hold within church rise to the surface. Again, for the parents here, how do you act when you find out that your kids have some not-so-good friendships, right? When you have a sixth grader as a son or daughter and you find out their best friend likes drag racing at 2 in the morning, right? Are you just like cool with it? Yeah, maybe they'll teach you how to drive, right? Are you fine with that? Right? Dad's here. You have a young daughter, right? She's in ninth grade and you find out her best friend is a grown man that's 25 years old. Are you just cool with that? Yeah, honey, you, you got to learn about love. Love is hard sometimes, right? Or do you rise to the God-given role that he's given you and say, man, honey, this is not good. We got to cut this person out. This person isn't good for you. This person, they're going to drag you down. They're going to bring you down. Again, we should have a love within the body of Christ that we're all a family. We should be looking out for each other's interests more than our own. So when questionable things come up, we should be giving them the truth in love, but caring for one another. Verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Right? Maybe some of the wives are telling their husbands, you see, I told you I was a know-it-all. I know all things, right? I have that anointing. This, Zach, this is my life verse right here, 1 John 2.20, right? No, he's saying, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You see, the chief false doctrine at this time, the chief false gospel was Gnosticism. And what they would tell the people is, hey, we have a higher anointing, and we'll give you this higher anointing, and then you'll have a higher and deeper knowledge of God. And what John is telling them is he's saying, no, you have an anointing from the Holy One. The word Messiah literally means the anointed one. So if we're here and we are truly saved, we have an anointing from the anointed one, which reveals to us all things. The Holy Spirit gives us an intuition immediately and lots of times without reason on scriptural things. You can talk to someone and ah, that, that just doesn't feel right. We are given a phony meter, if you would, the moment we get saved. The problem is oftentimes we begin to quench the Holy Spirit with sin and with different vices and then that phony meter gets all out of whack. But if we spend time cultivating our relationship with Jesus Christ, it gets sharper and sharper and sharper. Again, in uh, Ephesians 5 verse 18, you can just write it down. Here, Paul, he warns the church of Ephesus. He tells them, do not get drunk with wine for that is in excess. That is wickedness. That is corruption. That's dumb. But instead, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. The more filled we are with the Holy Spirit, the more we'll have that phoniness meter. And we need to be filled with the Spirit because there are young believers trying to figure out their theology. And you don't treat them the same way as a false teacher or a false prophet. You work with them through those situations. Let's turn quickly to James chapter 1. Just a couple pages to your left. Right after First and Second Peter. And there in James chapter 1, maybe this is the scenario you are in right now. And you're saying, Lord, I don't know if this person's really saved or not. Lord, I don't know if they believe in the real Jesus or not. You see, the incredible thing about the family of Christ, the group of, of Christians, is that we do not agree on everything, but we can still have fellowship and love for one another. 
And if we're honest, that's something that's very different than the world around us. Right? There's different factions, different groups, different hobbies, different people that get together. But in the day and age we live on, right, you disagree on one thing and that's it. You have to be sworn enemies, right? But within the body of Christ, there are main things, right? Who Jesus is, the Trinity, what sin is, the biblical things, God's word being in there. There are main things, but then there are other little things out on the outside that it's not as big of a deal. It's okay. We can still minister together and we can still be together. So that's why we should pray, James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Again, if you're dealing with that scenario right now, reach out to the Lord and say, God, fill me with your spirit. I, I don't know where this person's at. Lord, reveal to me, speak to me. I was talking with someone after service, and they were saying they're heartbroken because they don't know how to share with their friends that this isn't the way to heaven. Again, pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you to be able to share, to speak the truth in love. Again, our anointing from the anointed one is of the utmost importance. Family, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you have that anointing? Again, the Holy Spirit reveals to us what's true and what's not true within Scripture and even within the different people we deal with. Notice that John gives this as the chief defense against false teachers, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's our chief defense. And family, there's nothing greater in our lives than spending time alone with God. That's the most important thing, right? How do bankers know real money versus fake money? They deal a lot of time with real money. That way they slip in one fake bill and they feel it right away. Right? With sneakers, they used to have a, a fake check and you would show all the pictures of the real shoe and then compare that to the fake one. If you're not spending time with the real Jesus, you're not going to know the real one from the fake one. You're not going to know the difference. And that's why it's so important for us to spend time with Jesus. Good doctrine is important. Having a good group of mature believers around us is important. But there's one thing that's needful. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Family, we have to do that. It's so important. That phoniness meter, it's living inside of us. God gives it to us the moment we get saved. I remember uh, we had a doulos, which was basically like a summer camp. You'd have kids spending, living at the church. We'd work for about six hours a day, and we'd have three different teachings every day. And one day we went to go pray with people around the neighborhood. We'd go knock on doors and pray with different people. And we knocked on this one lady's door. And she said, yeah, yeah, you could pray for me. And we, we prayed for her. We were all excited, all happy. And she goes, you guys have heard of God the Father, right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard of God the Father. She goes, but have you heard of God the Mother? And then we all went, what? And then not, it wasn't just me and the leaders, but even like the little 12-year-olds, they all went, what? They, they knew this was off. <laughs> they knew this was wrong. So again, for us, the moment we get saved, doesn't matter your age, you have that phony meter in you. But the more you deal with sin, the more you allow sin to come in your life, it, it gets off track. It gets off track and now you begin to buy into those things that are false. Again, verse 21, John says, I'm not writing to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Again, John here, he's writing out and pointing out what the lie is and who the liars are. All gods, all religions, and even all Jesuses are not the same. If you have Jesus wrong, you have God wrong. If you have Jesus wrong and God wrong, you have heaven wrong. And if you have that wrong your whole life, it's sort of a lie. It's sort of a waste if you really think about it. 60 years on this earth, 80 years on this earth, to then spend the rest of eternity in hell for forever? You've got it all wrong. Again, that's why it's so important to make sure that we have Jesus right within our lives, that we're abiding with him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, Jesus says, All things are delivered unto me of the Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father except the Son, and to he whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Again, family, Jesus Christ needs to be the main thing in our lives. Has to be the main thing. He has to be the central truth of our lives because as he's the central truth in our lives, our lives are going to have fruit. They're going to have blessing. And this fruit and this blessing proves that we have relationship with Jesus Christ. Fruit in our lives proves that heaven is truly our home. Fruit in our lives, as we're going to see in a moment, gives us confidence that when I die and everyone's going to die, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven instead of in hell. Family, do you have Jesus as the main thing in your life? Right? Parents here, what's the main thing for your kids? Their education? Their health? Or is it Jesus Christ? May we be championing, yes, People, humans, we deserve freedom because those are God-given rights. But may we be championing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what does a man have if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What do they gain? Again, for each and every one of us, that Jesus would truly be the grand and central truth in our lives. Verse 24, he says, Therefore, let that abide in you. Which you have heard from the beginning, right? What's that there for? That Jesus is the Son of God. That if you don't have Jesus, you don't have God, right? He continues in verse 24. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Family, we should be living in our Bible and letting our Bible live inside of us. We need this. We need the simplicity of the gospel living and abiding inside each and every one of us. And when we do, then we will be abiding in Jesus Christ and in God the Father. How often do you spend time reading God's word simply? How often do we spend time doing that? Oftentimes we think that we need something new or something different. No, what we need is the simple word of God. Some scriptures I'm sure some of you know, you can just write them down, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Family, are these simple truths rooted and grounded in your heart? Or have you all of a sudden sort of thrown them to the side looking for deeper and new truths? Be careful that we don't lose the simplicity of the gospel. We should also be careful when someone else comes along promising us greater insights and greater depth into who Jesus is and begin to unsimplify a simple gospel. Be careful about that. When someone says, hey, I, I got this Bible study, just you and me alone, and let's, let's do this, let's search in here. I can't be careful with that. Verse 25, uh, such a key reminder to us, right? What's the reason that Jesus came to earth? What was his promise? And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life, period and end of sentence. That's why Jesus came, to give us eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the good news that Jesus promises to give us eternal life the moment we decide to pick up our cross and follow after him. Any other gospel that says that Jesus is promising us other things, it's a false gospel. Gospels that promise that Jesus is promising you health and wealth and jets and planes and all these things, it's a false gospel. Any gospel that promises you that Jesus is going to give you the power to just speak things into existence, it's a false gospel. It's not found here. And if you notice these false gospels, these false doctrines, who do they Teach their students, if you would, to defeat and combat in speech, real Christians. That's who they teach to defeat and battle, right? Jehovah's Witness, they're not saying, hey, this is how you lead a Buddhist to become a Jehovah's Witness, right? False gospel, uh, prosperity gospel people. This is how you lead someone who's poor and homeless to come to Jesus, right? No, it's, this is how you come against these other people that are actual Christians. These are the verses that we take out of context. No, these are the verses we take, right? And this is how you defeat people who are already saved. Again, we have to be careful with that. What Jesus has promised us, the good news of Jesus Christ is not health, is not a boyfriend, is not a girlfriend, it's not a car, it's not a job. It's eternal life. This family is the good news. And I hope it's good enough news for you, right? Because each and every one of us deserve hell for all of eternity. So if we're looking for another Jesus, that's fine. But that's not the Jesus that leads us. To eternal life. Verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those, right, who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. The same anointing in verse 20 is going to protect us from false teachers, will also guide us and provide us that check in the spirit with what is true and what is not true. Right? Sometimes you can't even explain. You say, man, I, I, I just know that I know. I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. But how do you know? I don't know, man. I just know. I have that peace. I have that understanding. I'm walking in faith that, that this is the truth. Sometimes they say, you're so close-minded, Right? How could you say there's only one way to heaven? This is the truth. I just know that I know. The Holy Spirit's living inside of us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, there's an incredible promise and truth to us. 
1 John 4, verse 15, one page over to your right. It tells us, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Again, what an incredible truth that if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord, Jesus himself is living and reigning within our hearts. And now we don't need someone to come and unteach us Jesus to then reteach us a different Jesus. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But simply put, you shouldn't trust anyone and what they tell you about the Bible. You shouldn't trust me and what I tell you about the Bible. You should be searching out the scripture on your own time, making sure that what Calvary Chapel Miami teaches is the true word of God. That should be each and every one of our goals. Because God, he's taken away all the mediators between God and man. There's only one, right? And that's Jesus Christ. No human is the oracle of God. No one. Each of us should be searching out God's scriptures and God's scriptures alone, right? Paul, he speaks of the Bereans and he says that they were more noble, more fair-minded than the other believers in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with readiness and then they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. Again, family, my goal when I teach God's word is not to give you some new or mind-blowing truth. It's to remind you of the things that the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to you. Again, that's the goal here, is that as you're reading your Bible on your own, as you're listening to Bible studies, as you're listening to God's Way Radio, God is confirming and repeating His Word to you. Not that you're getting some new word from the Lord, some oracle of God, right? That's the whole point of this. That the Holy Spirit inside of you is nodding its head in agreement in the word that is being shared. And that's why it's so important for us to read the Bible on our own from cover to cover. The same Holy Spirit will lead us in truth and guide us closer to Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who authored this book. Right? Jesus was the word. The word was with God and then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, that's the beautiful thing about God's word. Got to be careful when we need a specific person, a specific book, right? A Da Vinci Code, if you would, right? To To understand the realness of God's scripture, right? This person, they really get it. No one else has ever gotten it before. But if only you read this book and buy this package of classes at $29.99, then you'll really understand God's word. Have to be careful with that. What helps us really understand God and love him It's to abide with him. It's to continue to dwell on those simple things that we've heard since the beginning. The problem is that our flesh loves new ideas. Our flesh hears that something's new and we're like, oh, that's amazing, right? You buy a car 2020 and all of a sudden you see the new version 2021. You're like, oh, I'm missing out on all these things, right? Your car is less than 10,000 miles. What are you talking about? Missing out on things, right? We love what's new. I think of Pizza Hut, right? Does anybody truly love and enjoy Pizza Hut with all their heart, right? Does anybody think, ah, oh, pizza's the best pizza ever, right? No, but every month they got some new type of pizza, right? They put the cheese in the crust, and they put pepperoni in the crust, then they put the cheese this way, then they flip it over, then there's a volcano pizza, right? Pretzel pizza, all types of pizzas. And you're like, I got to try this new pizza. It's new. I have to try it out. And then you taste it. It tastes just like it's always tasted, right? It looks different. It's packaged different, but it tastes the same way. It reminded me of during the quarantine, some people, not everyone, right, 
Everyone started making coffee in some new and different way, right? This false doctrine even crept into my own home, right? (laughs) People were actually going out and buying instant coffee and whipping it together with sugar. And then pouring it on milk and then drinking it to only realize, why in the world am I drinking instant coffee, right? Why in the world am I doing? Because it's new. Everybody's talking about it. It's on TikTok. It's on Instagram. I have to try this, right? They tricked me into buying instant coffee when I have real coffee sitting in my house, right? What's going on here? We have to be careful. We have to be careful. God's word, it's simple and it's true. And if we continue to rely on it, if we continue to dig and dig deeper, God, he does reveal new things in his word. Every time we read, every time we study, Lord, I never saw that before. His word, it's living, it's alive, it's a sharper than any two-edged sword, revealing to us the true intents and reasons of our heart, the reasons we're making the decisions that we're making. Family, what's pure and simple is truly what's most fulfilling in life. And the same is true with God's word. Finally, verse 28 and 29, and now little children abide in him. Again, that word abide, it's to stay It's to dwell for a while, right? We'll look in a moment how Jesus says that he's going to make his abode with us. That's another word for home. Maybe you welcome people in your home and you want to feel fancy. You say, welcome to my humble abode, right? And they just stay there staring at you. What are you talking about, right? Abode, the same word there as to abide, to make home, make residence. So John is saying we should make our home, make our residence in him so that when he appears... Right? He's going to appear. We, this is John saying, myself included, may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Again, the reality that Jesus can come at any moment. And this is, this is another teaching, right, where some people believe in mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, and that takes completely away the idea that Jesus can come at any moment. That puts your focus on the Antichrist. That puts your focus on a one-world religion, on a one-world economy, on a one-world currency. That doesn't put your focus on Jesus coming at any point, at any moment. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, right, the chapter right over, It tells us everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. There's no chapter breaks there. The hope that we have that Jesus is coming at any moment, it purifies us. It keeps us ready. It keeps us ready that Jesus is coming back at any moment. Do I want him to see me doing this? Do I want him to see me arguing with my wife like this? Or watching this pornography or going to hang out with this person? Is this how I want to see Jesus find me? There's no confidence there, right? There's no confidence in our sin. And it's a pop quiz, if you would. The only way we're going to have confidence is if we're ready for that test and that quiz. The only way you're ready is if you're studied up, if you've been preparing. And for us, the only way we have confidence is if we're staying with him. If we're abiding with him. If we're comfortable spending time alone with God that word confidence it's the person in a courtroom who is innocent who stands up and defends themselves without shame right you can tell when someone's guilty and when they're not guilty the confidence they have when they're defending themselves right at least I see it often with my kids right 
Sometimes they say, did you do this? And they can go off. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Oh, man, I didn't do that, right? And, hey, did you do this? Um, um, did you do this? Uh, what happened was, right, this is, what, this is what happened, right? So Luke did this. And then, there's zero confidence there. And the Lord wants us to have confidence when Jesus returns. But that's only going to happen if we are abiding in him. If we're spending time in our Bible. Friend, when was the last time you read God's word on your own? When was the last time? It wasn't homework. It wasn't a retreat. It wasn't a conference. It wasn't church. When was the last time you read your Bible on your own? In John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Again, what a promise there that if we really love Christ and we keep his word, he's going to make his home, his residence with us and in us. Again, family, this is the only thing that's going to keep us from shame when he returns. It's abiding with him, spending time with him. Again, I encourage you. Today, tomorrow, as soon as possible, spend time alone in your Bible. Put your phone on airplane mode. Turn it off. Tell your family, hey, I need 50 minutes. I need an hour. I need three hours to just be alone in the Bible, crying out to God. Right? At the, at the youth uh, conference, I was reminding them of Hebrews. Right? It tells us that we must believe that God is. Do you believe that God exists? And that you need to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That if I seek him diligently, he's going to reward me. He's going to be blessing. There's goodness to be had if I would spend my time diligently searching him and looking for him. And now if we're doing this, the way we live, the way we act needs to change because he himself is righteousness itself. So now we will be practicing righteousness if we are really born of Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, you can turn there and then we'll close. 1 John 2 verse 3, it says, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this... We know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Family, as we mature and grow with Jesus, do we look more like him? Are we looking more and more righteous? Are we looking more and more like this world, right? What are the things that we are defending within our lives? What are you defending? Are you defending your quote-unquote freedom in Christ to do things that are borderline sinful, right? So often Christians, they want to defend, ah, I could drink as much as I want. It doesn't, doesn't say in the Bible. But then you have churches that have AA meetings, right? And alcohol meetings and breaking through addiction meetings. Man, I have freedom in Christ. I could dress however, my, however I want. My daughters can dress however I want. But then you have group meetings on people dealing with lust and pornography and sex trafficking. But no, I, I have freedom here to act how I want. What are you defending? Are you defending to live more and more righteous? Are you defending to live looking more and more like this world? Because it's going to reveal where your heart, where your love truly is. On Wednesday, I taught and I was preparing for that teaching on temptation. And one thing that blew me away, blanking out on his name, it'll come to me. He was sharing that the only way to truly defeat temptation 
The only way to defeat a love is with a greater love. That's the only way to defeat it. And when we sin, it's because you love it. You're not sinning because you actually hate it. There's, there's a good taste at first with sin. Later on, it brings forth death, but it's pleasurable for a season. The only way to defeat that is to have something or someone that you love more than that. And there are many people that say that they're believers, but Jesus is not their true love. They love other things more than him. And Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters, right? You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to love one master more than the other. So we have to ask ourselves, Lord, do I truly love you? Is spending time with you the most important thing in my life? Or, Lord, are there other things that are more important? Again, family, be ready. Jesus is coming back at any moment. We don't know when that pop quiz is coming, but I pray that you're ready, that you'll be able to have confidence in him. Be aware. There's fake Jesuses out there. You might be even creating your own fake Jesus. Be careful. Know the true Jesus of Scripture. Be listening. If you're here and you're saved, you have the real Jesus living inside of you. That still small voice, as it's going in line with Scripture, is going to be speaking to you and pushing you in the right direction in life. And finally, be present. Abide in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to have confidence. That's the only way to have joy in this life. That's the only way to have peace in this life. It's to abide with Jesus. Spend time with him. He loves you. He loves you more than anyone else. And again, not to study him intellectually, but to spend time with him. I was sharing with the first service. I don't know if you would be creeped out by this. I would be creeped out by this, right? If Amanda started to study me only intellectually, right? I'd be pretty creeped out, right? She pulls out some measuring tape. Oh, you're, you're this many centimeters. This is the size of your foot, this many centimeters. You're, this is your circumference. Your circumference is growing, right? This many centimeters, right? This is your blood type. This is your hair. This is this. This is that. This is your cells. Honey, you want to go out to eat? No, no, I don't have time for that. I, I got to start studying your family history. I got to see where you came from, what you did, who you met, what you did. Okay. Honey, you want to go spend time together? No, no, I, I have to study this amount. I got to go do that. I would be creeped out. Maybe you would have joy with that in your marriage. That's between you and your spouse, right? But I would be creeped out. And there's some of us that we think the way to know God is only by intellect. And that's not true. We shouldn't throw our intellect out, just out the window. He's given us that for a reason. Some of us, we're going to grow in that. We're going to be able to defend our faith and reach other intellectuals. But the way we really know him is to spend time with him one-on-one. 